Hey everybody, it's Danny here. Just want to say uh, thanks for all the love and support you guys showed me the last few days. It means a lot. Uh, I'll be working, uh, working hard in there to get back out there. Um, yeah, just thanks for everything. My family, friends, thanks for everything that you guys showed me the last few days. I just want to give a shout out to Leo Caruso. Keep fighting, buddy. You got this. I've never dedicated a podcast to anyone before, but today an exception, all right? This one is for Ed Callison, a man who's been knocked down, but he's still fighting. And for his wife, Allison, his friend, Rocky, his children, his grandchildren, business partners, and those who love him. And for Chicago police officer Dan Golden and the Golden family. Dan was shot in the back by scum, and he's still fighting. And you hear those pipes? You hear the sound of them? The wail of them? They play for the beating heart of Chicago, because that was the scene this weekend, the Chicago Police officer Dan Golden, as I said, shot in the back by vermin, paralyzed from the waist down for doing his job, trying to break up a fight, was wheeled out from the hospital to the applause of his brothers and sisters in blue. Then the pipes. Cop gunned down in Beverly. Chicago is collapsing, everyone, you know that. Chaos and anarchy, major incident crime is up downtown along the wealthy lakefront neighborhoods that were supposed to be immune everywhere, southwest, northwest, north and south sides, everywhere. And the Goldens fight like a Golden. They're a well-known family on the south side, Dan is a third-generation Chicago police officer. He's a U.S. Army veteran as well, as are several of his brothers. You know something? These are the people who keep Chicago. Without them, you don't have a city. The neighborhood people, no matter what neighborhood... The southwest side, the northwest side, the south side, the west side. I don't even know if the Loop is a neighborhood. They tell me Streeterville is a neighborhood, but I don't really buy it. Without the middle class, there is no city. And without them, you don't have a city. So where was... Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Vallis Maximus, where was she? Well, she was in Europe, avoiding the chaos and the anarchy that she and her fellow Democrats like Kim Fox, state's attorney, Tony Preckwinkle, Judge Evans, J.B. Pritzker have unleashed, along with the so-called social justice warriors of Chicago's media that give them backing and protection. 
Now, I tried to warn you more than a year ago when I was at the paper. I tried to warn you about Fox and other George Soros prosecutors across the country and the lawlessness and chaos they were bringing. And I guess I wasn't wrong, was I? But now it seems that the paper is more interested in how many powder rooms are in my home, how much of how much of my home is covered in sumptuous hardwood floors. More interested in all that, more interested in me and my life. I don't know why, but they are. More interested in all that nonsense than they are in holding Illinois Democratic politicians to account on rising violent crime. It was Dan Golden's fiance, Casey Slavarsky, who's holding them accountable. She lit into Lightfoot, her police superintendent David Brown, the so-called Lightfoot whisperer, because when she whispers, his words come out of her mouth. And Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. Do you blame the fiancé, Casey? If you blame her, then you're a moron. And you don't know Chicago and its heart, and you never will. Because people like her and the family she was marrying into and the other first responder families in Chicago have been under siege in Chicago for years vilified by the Marxists that have been driving Chicago Democratic politics for years. And, of course, the media that carries their water. And Lightfoot has mocked and abused them. The insolence, the sarcasm. Nobody takes vacations, but then Lori Lightfoot takes vacations. And finally, when police officer Ella French was killed, police officers turned their backs on the mayor at the hospital. It's been that bad, and it's gotten worse since then. Media has abused them, too, because, well, you know, they're tolerated during a crime spree, like when a thug might be outside your house. But their families and children are criticized, too. They're harassed for who their parents are. Constantly pressured, doxing, and that sort of thing from the political left that has demonized them. I'm absolutely done being silent, Casey Slavarsky said the other day on Facebook. It sickens me at the same time to know for a 100% fact that so-called leader Lori Lightfoot and Superintendent David Brown have not acknowledged the fact that my husband literally almost lost his life protecting and serving his community. I'm not surprised at this point, but I was hoping you had some sort of heart, she writes. Heart? Chicago politicians with heart? What are they supposed to acknowledge? That their left-wing policies of Lightfoot... Preckwinkle, Brown, Judge Evans, Tim Fox, Kim Fox, and Pritzker have led to chaos and anarchy in Chicago. Chaos downtown and the lakefront. Chaos on the south and west sides. 
chaos all over where there aren't enough cops to handle 911 calls. These are politicians of Chicago. They don't take responsibility. Not these ones, not these lefties. They don't speak straight. They're worm tongues. And if you dare challenge them on it, they might sick their dogs on you and call you a racist to shut you up. They're worm tongues. Speaking of worm tongues, the king of the worm tongues is the president of the United States. I think he might remember his name, Joe Biden, maybe if you write it out for him on a card. But his fellow Democrats and their minions, the woke corporate legacy media, are just about done with old Joe. His approval ratings continue to drop, and on a recent trip, well, he praised Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, even though they still pay terrorists in their infamous pay-to-slay program. Yes, Palestinian Authority, pay-to-slay. Biden wasn't going to shake hands with the Saudi prince Mohammed bin Salman. No, because of the Khashoggi thing. So what did he do? He fist bumped the prince. It was a fist bump seen all over the world. Our guest today, our friend Charles Lipson, professor emeritus from the University of Chicago, writes this in The Spectator World. The emperor is naked. The emperor is naked, the public knows it, and they're finally beginning to speak the obvious truth. The emperor, in this case, is the president. He took office with high hopes from voters and a promise to bring the country together. Those aspirations are dead. And now it's only a matter of time till the Democrats dump him. But then what do they do with Kamala Harris? We'll talk to Professor Lipson about that. And as always, WGN Radio Executive Producer Jeff Carlin is here. And I'm John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox Christian, editor-in-chief of JohnCassNews.com. And where are you with Chicago Mayor Lightfoot avoiding the chaos that she's helped put in motion? Trying to hold on to power. And Joe, old Joe Biden pretending he'll run for president in 2024, even though we all know that's not going to happen. Where are you with the chaos breaking over your left shoulder and your right? You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN+. Plus. Look, the, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon it's the chicago way the chicago way that's the focus in a tower by the river there lived a man there was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword no escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. Is noteworthy 
that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. I'm Ron Burgundy? typed a question mark on the teleprompter for the last time anything you put on that prompter burgundy will read <laughs> that's our president and our guest charles lipson professor emeritus university of chicago has written some excellent stuff recently we're going to talk about it but one i have to take issue with is the last thing i want to think about is Joe Biden naked before the world? <laughs> yeah. Shelter your eyes, children. But, but tell us about that. Well, I mean, we all remember that story where uh, everybody is saying uh, how wonderful the king's clothing looks uh, until a little child cries out, he's not wearing anything. And in effect, reveals a truth that the adults were uh, either too polite or too afraid or too cowed by the crowd uh, to mention. And I think that that's the situation with Joe Biden now. You you Uh, mentioned it, Charles, just for the listeners who aren't up on everything Charles Lipson, which you should be. Yes. Just go to charleslipson.com and... I've subscribed to the Spectator World so that I can. He has many pieces uh, that are free to the public, but I've subscribed just to read this piece because I wanted to think of Joe Biden and all his naked <laughs> splendor. And uh, but well, th- CharlesListen.com is, is where the elite meet. You know, right? <laughs> Biden is the emperor with no clothes. It begins, and I think I mentioned it in the uh, monologue. The emperor is naked. The public knows it. And they're finally beginning to speak the obvious truth. The emperor in this case is the president. Thanks, Joe. I think, Charles, (laughs) I cannot unsee it now. (laughs) Yeah. But neither can the country. And that's even more important than whether I'm squeamish about it. Well, you have to put something worse in your mind. Maybe uh, watch a Cubs game. <laughs> um, maybe, well, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, maybe watch uh, Adam Kinzinger not cry. Oh my! Try right. to bravely, fa- bravely you know, go where no man has gone before. Before, uh, I would just say that it's ex- there's so many things in our country today yes. that are deeply upsetting and i'm naturally an optimist john and jeff i'm naturally somebody who sort of uh thinks things are going to get better and lord there's a lot of upside potential but i've got to say when you look at the last three uh people who've run for the presidency hillary joe biden and and uh donald trump uh you've got to be very worried and i must say we'll we may get to Trump at some point. I thought a lot of his presidency was just fine, but I thought that uh, when you lose and you do the challenges and so forth in court and you lose those, then it's critically important to a democracy and the peaceful transfer of power that you acknowledge that. Now, Joe Biden got into power through a a really kind of sleazy operation he was not winning the primaries when it got right down to it it looked as if um 
is if Bernie Sanders was going to win. And uh, all the Democratic establishment got behind him, led by Jim Clyburn, a very powerful congressman, a black congressman from South Carolina, who had a huge uh, constituency. There's a large black vote in South Carolina in the Democratic Party. And, uh, and he really did carry uh, Biden uh, over <clears throat> over uh, Bernie Sanders there. But there was one more thing that really hasn't been talked about very much, which is that Elizabeth Warren stayed in the race for the next week or two week i think the next set of primaries which were a week later and if her vote had gone to bernie sanders he would have carried uh the nomination but she but, stayed in long enough to yeah. sink him and I, I don't think we know the full story of all that yet wow I, it's okay. i mean and you you can even take it back one site one cycle behind that is to the whole notion that biden was the only person who was polling ahead of trump in the 2016 election mm-hmm. and and he wouldn't run because he's you know he was dealing with the t- the trauma of the death of his son right. but i think he was strong-armed against it because the dnc as we know as we saw in the donna brazil fiasco and the dnc that they were the the fix was in for her to be the candidate no matter what even though she was not the one who was going to garner the, the right amount of votes she was that, not the that's one that's right jeff and it is also right that uh, barack obama uh yes. really mm-hmm. urged uh his vice president not to yeah. run and he favored hillary thinking that she could win um but my point really is it's a deeply divided country. If you look at the uh, at the Senate, there's only about three people whose vote patterns overlap mm-hmm. at all in the center, Joe Manchin being one, the most famous, Su- Susan Collins being another. But um, the, the other thing that really disturbs me is this uh, complete lack of tolerance for people with other views. Um, this sense that uh, people who differ from you are somehow contemptible. And I, I just think that democracies need to have that sense, not only of a peaceful transfer of power, but that there are a wide range of views that are acceptable and that we accept other people's views. This is and I think that one of the reasons that's so important is that our notion is that you, Jeff, and you, John, and me, Charles, should be able to live our lives in different ways, whether we're gay or straight or like to read or like to play sports or what, or not. Uh, whatever right. our religion is and so forth, that, right. we, uh, that we have the space to do that and that we're not being stamped out, uh, forced into the same mold and that's what a liberal democracy should be and i think we've lost a lot of our sense of that i mean yeah yeah, for sure but charles and and i know we're getting a little far of of kind of the core here but oh i got you charles i gotta ask you do you feel or do you ever think that the idea of the republic as it was built and the way and the way we are now is as i.e we're a much more dense population that's much more far-flung that has many more geographic issues, 
many more cultural issues that have been ingrained for generation and generations, that this idea of a republic of knit states is almost out of touch with the reality because it's so much more complex than anybody could have thought. And the idea that we're keeping all these states tied together as a, as a, as a cohesive unit is almost yeah, passe in the sense of what's really good for the populace. It's a it's a very important question, and I, I, I've actually been thinking about it a lot in the past few weeks, and it's and I want to kind of push it a little bit in the opposite direction from you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, it seems that be- precisely because we're complex and diverse and all the rest, it really makes a lot of sense to allow a lot more scope for independence of each of our federal states. So let Alabama do things very differently from Mm -hmm. Idaho and uh, don't force everybody down the same path. You can agree or disagree with uh, the Dodds decision, which is the decision on the Mississippi abortion case, but what it does is it's uh, it's the beginning of say, uh, uh, of the Supreme Court going back to something that's one of in the first ten amendments to the mm-hmm. Constitution, which is that we that the central government is a government of um, defined and limited powers, and that the powers not expressly granted to the central government uh, are either granted to the states. They're not granted to the states. They already belong to the states or to the people. And, and so what I would say is let um, Illinois govern itself as it wants to, and let Texas govern itself as it wants to. There is a problem within a city, within a state like Texas that you have very blue cities like Austin in a very red state. And so, uh, if you fully decentralize things, you would have somewhat different uh, laws in Austin than you would have uh, maybe in West Texas or something. But but one of the things we're really seeing that's amazing, you know that U-Haul has to actually hire drivers <laughs> to take yep. trucks back to California. There are so few people now moving to a state that is so poorly governed that has uh, homeless people living on the streets in San Francisco and uh, San Diego and L.A., where Starbucks is closing um, f- uh, facilities in downtown, as have uh, as have uh, Walgreens and others, because there's so much crime and drugs, and mm-hmm. people are just fleeing. And that's fine. I mean, you know, sure, it and puts that's pressure the, on yeah. those states. It puts They're fleeing Chicago too. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I would say. Yeah. They, they have, I mean, what a poorly governed Chicago. city. The uh, but you know the larger point that both of yep. you are making about the republic. What I find fascinating is that, in my view, and I could be wrong. It's just my opinion. Is that the uh, the left, particularly the neo Marxist. Uh, screamers in the media and their allies around it in the Democratic Party mm-hmm. are all constantly screaming about authoritarianism and saying it's orange-haired authoritarianism when, in point of fact, what the 
what the Supreme Court is doing by by limiting the powers of the Kamalist state, or or as uh, Charles has written in another fine piece, uh, the administrative state, by by limiting these powers or the power national or federal abortion laws and turning it over to the city of the states is that uh, the Supreme Court and in this in this case the Republicans conservative Republicans are promoting freedom as opposed to heavy-handed nationalist policy um, that is in my mind uh, fascist I, I don't know if it defines it. Freedom is at state is. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, but freedom more in the sense of the self rule. I mean, that freedom yeah, to self rule. I mean, like without that, you're not right. You don't have freedom. Right. I I partially agree with that, but I don't agree completely. Uh, I'm glad that you don't agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're wrong, and I'm not finished <laughs> talking with you, John. The um, I shall cancel you. Where's yeah. my Instagram? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. By the way, you know, uh, the woman who is the uh, climate czar in the White House, Gina McCarthy, oh, uh, she's, she just told the social media giants that they should suppress all uh, the the uh, the information that runs counter to her views about climate change. I mean, there is – and that gets to, to maybe a little bit of the point where I disagree – I think that there's overreach, and there's a lot of overreach on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I think if you – it is true, and this is the point that I like, that there's been – that there's more decentralization. The Supreme Court is trying to move us toward decentralization. Um, It's going to be a hard push because it seems like the way that the the federal government gets its teeth into everything every little facet of life is not only because of increased Washington regulation, but because more and more institutions at both the state and private level depend on federal money. And as soon as you take, as soon as you take federal money, you're very quickly subject to federal rules. There was a time uh, during the Obama administration when basically grits were outlawed for school lunches in the South. Nobody had ever made a rule that grits shouldn't be eaten in the, in the South. Right. It's just that uh, the Congress did make rules, which were good ones, that were to give money to uh, make sure that every school child had adequate nutrition. And then uh, somebody decided they would set the rules for what adequate nutrition was and they could pretty much set them the way they want to and nobody has any uh no elected official of ours has any say but what happened was you moved um something that had been in the hands of local school boards and local principals uh ever since we've had public schools somehow moved into washington control without any admit without any elected officials ever saying that that's what they wanted what i disagree with you about john cass is um that i think uh, that when you um 
when you look at some of the states and how they've uh, responded uh, to the Dobbs decision, mm-hmm. which gives, uh, which says there was never any right uh, in the Constitution that uh, um, that ensured uh, abortion rights. Mm-hmm. Um, Access. Th- that that was something that that voters can make their own decisions about um you end up with some states making decisions that as soon as you text somebody for a date that's the beginning of life right. and, and they're going to be there are states oklahoma is one where you where basically they're trying uh as best they can to make all abortions uh illegal and it that doesn't i mean i can understand the, science the religious basis well. of that but it doesn't seem like that that's increased uh the nation's freedom so i think these are very debatable issues yes of course they are and that's the point yeah. we debate them state by state and uh i and and those that are uh, overly draconian yes. the people will decide just like right. Right. the people I guess in Virginia before uh, this latest turnover, yes, uh, we're on the on the path, or at least the gov- the former governor was accepting uh, infanticide. infanticide right? right, he said uh, that after a baby was born, exactly. the doctor and uh, and uh, uh, the Democrats. I, I haven't read the latest bill, which won't make it through the Senate, yeah. where they're t- but. I assume if it follows the rest of the way that the Democratic Party has has looked at this issue, that it will allow third term yeah. uh, abortions and uh, with very little restraint. In other words, the health of the mother as opposed to the to the life of the mother. Uh, um, right. And uh, so I, I I do see this as a very vexed vexed issue yes and it should be discussed by everyone that's what i i I don't think i think the court was wise in turning us back to the states because uh nine men or women should not be made these are questions that people in various states can figure out for themselves yeah and 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 it was a loose i mean it was a loose use of the idea of, of 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 privacy yeah. equaling freedom Penumbra and, and so forth. right and and the idea in, in the in john you and i i don't know if we talked about this last time but but this idea that there's this all of a sudden this you know for lack of a better term progressive or liberal outcry over what happened is to me marks of hypocrisy because You've th- these groups had power, they had control over time. Obama could have could have codified if that's what they wanted. Could have codified this. They could well, have. That made brings a us thing. to a very important issue, Jeff, which is that I, I think the Democrats are more responsible for this than Republicans. Yeah, me too. I think that that a lot of times the parties want the issue, not a solution. Exactly, and that's given Under us reason. very bad. I.e., Donald Trump, right? <laughs> they don't want a solution to Donald Trump. They wanted Donald Trump so they could run against him last time. The bogeyman, right? Well, yeah. I mean, they want bogeyman and bogey issues, and um, and, and there, 
but I do think that there's a problem, which is that when you get uh, people in the center who are trying to compromise, which is the only way you can get past 60 votes and so forth, uh, uh, those people become vulnerable in their party primaries. And if the Democrats are really washed away, especially in the House in November, you will have a very interesting situation because what you'll get is only Democrats from deep blue districts. And then the question is, will there be any leader of the party who can lead them back to the center and just away from carrying only the districts um, of the suburbs around San Francisco, you know, and Boston? And Well, we thought we thought Biden would be that leader. Well, it was I've written uh, and I call it bait and switch. Biden really promised to run as a center left candidate, Mm -hmm. and he has not governed like that. And in fact, he's barely um, governed at all. But that's what we don't know. We really don't know, Jeff. I I think that's right. What's your own speculation on what on on who's governing? Oh, that's well, that was kind of more my point is that I feel like. Congress and and its you know Idlewild swings back and forth between dogmas has done so much to spin so many states up and them turn them around and make trying to manage locally impossible and it's this idea that they're leading from the top when it's that that was not the design of this country this because the country was designed to be you know to be led and designed at the corner at the village hall and then outward from there and we've got this top down and everyone jokes that what's the old joke congress doesn't do anything you know they they get together and they they just stand nothing nothing gets done right well but they do they do do a lot they do do a lot to make it hard for states to run themselves on both sides of the spectrum and and well, they're lazy Jeff. right that's well that's they what don't they, they don't write that's what the and the, and the recent court decision was about right well they, the popularity of congress is just about nil i mean the popularity as bad as joe biden's popularity is and right. it is dreadful at historic lows Generally, congress we, is even lower can we focus because then i'll have to tell you that the media is even lower than that. Well, <laughs> but can I? Can yeah, I, I blame yeah, you, Cass. I blame you. Yes, <laughs> and I blame you, Charles, for defending me. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have. Well, what's happened with the media uh, is uh, that uh, it's fragmented. There was a time, I suppose, in the 1930s or something, where a radio station like WGN or WLS or whatever broadcast to the whole of the city. Mm. Hence the word broadcast. Broadcast. (laughs) That's exactly right. And you had uh, a few newspapers. But what you have now is very segmented. The people who are listening to this podcast are people who like the views of John Cass and Jeff Carlin. And if you if you really don't like those, you're listening to somebody else's podcast. And and this leads oh, to what people call confirmation <laughs> bias, right? Because we're always looking for people who agree with us, add some information, and know more <laughs> about it, but are generally in agreement with us. And we have this huge fragmentation. But I would say that the national media has beclowned itself. Uh, I mean, what we're learning for just take the Hunter Biden 
situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was specifically killed by the major and, and uh, mm-hmm. by the major media and by uh, by all the major networks, by the New York Times and Washington Post, by NPR, all of these organizations, and then the big social media giants wouldn't even let the one uh, publication, the fourth largest newspaper in the country, the New York Post, uh, did an investigation, really uh, uh, laid it out, and whether you agree with it or not, um, the fact was they were prohibited, basically, from sharing that on social media. So it was a story that was killed before the election that we know from polls many people would have found uh, important. Not because they think Hunter Biden is important, but because they think it is impossible that this kind of corruption, which not only involves Hunter, but involves Joe Biden's brother, uh, James, and James's wife, and others. Joe himself, the big guy. Well, that's the issue. First of all, how could he not have known? And secondly, because they were selling access to him, uh, there's just a level of corruption there. Now, it's not the industrial level corruption that the Clinton foundation was but it's it's pretty serious corruption and we don't even have at this point knowledge of whether hunter biden has divested himself of his chinese interests and we don't really know which chinese spy masters were his partners but there were some but there were some there were some because the way the world works right a government like china or any authoritarian government uh, but, well, and, yeah. and the Democrats yeah. are not at all interested in that for for a good reason. But I would say, and this is part of that article on uh, Joe Biden is the naked emperor. Right. One of the things that's really striking, and I, I'm sure you you've both noticed it, John and Jeff, is that over the past few weeks, you're beginning to get Democrats turning on Biden. That's the point that I want to get to because. <laughs> uh, we saw, we've seen in the New York Times and other places, they're starting to dump on Joe Biden. They they're panicked. They they must have read your piece or your mind. <laughs> well, I have a theory, John. Right? Well, let's go. Let's <laughs> let's hear, it, hear Jeff. it, Jeff. Well, my theory is that that uh, in all eyes, Biden has has crossed over the Carter Meridian and is. <laughs> Is, is, it's like the edge of a black hole isn't exactly it? and and is seen to be you know there's there's no saving his his legacy and there, you, no one wants to hitch their tail to that kite and it, it it's just because it's just blatantly apparent that it's i mean look at the clip we just played and yes everybody gaffs and joe biden has a speech impediment and i get all that but the guy just doesn't have it doesn't have it capital i capital t Jeff, he can't even walk properly across the well-manicured lawn of the White House. Mm-hmm. And he did, the, did this ridiculous fist bump with the, with, with the king or prince of Saudi Arabia. Right. And, he's, but- and he praises Abbas, Mohammed Abbas, who, who pays terrorists mm-hmm. you know, to kill people and then takes care of, and uses our money. I know, I know, I know um, uh, Professor Lipson has some thoughts on this, but before we get to that, how do they get rid of Biden? Because it seems like the panic is growing. 
They're going to try to dump him. Then who do they have to deal with? Well, I think what happens Kamala is that after the midterms, right. he announces that he won't run again. Uh, yeah. He won't do it before then. <laughs> the Democrats <laughs> would like to see that announcement, and the Republicans live in fear that Donald Trump will announce before the midterms right. that he's running again. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, which would force every Republican to uh, announce where they Heck stand yeah. on Trump. But uh, the But I think he announces after the midterms. He'll wait a while because he doesn't want the announcement to look as if he is uh, res- uh, uh, not running again because he was trounced in the midterms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 we don't know quite why he will say he won't run again, but it's just inconceivable. Yeah. And a lot of people are wondering if he can make it to the end of this presidency. And then what? Nobody wants Kamala Harris. She has no support. She oh, dropped wait a out. Minute. Wait, I have to. I, ha- I uh, beg to differ with Charles. Okay, okay. Kamala Harris pulls badly with every group except for the one group that uh, the Democrats are dependent on, and that is black women. Ah, that's a and very important so point. How do you get rid of, since, since the party itself is all about identity politics and, and race politics and narrow casting, how do you get rid of Kamala Harris uh, without losing without looking like you where you turned your eye away so back I I am absolutely fascinated by this because mm-hmm. John I made this point this afternoon in a conversation with friends uh, I had a discussion with a group of people who write uh, op-eds and we were just talking and I said if Joe Biden steps down before the end of his term, there will be an incumbent Af- uh, black woman in the as as president, and that le- even though she's extremely unpopular, it creates a huge problem for any Democrat who would think about running against her because yes. they absolutely. It's it, in a curious way. It's similar to the problem of who will run against Trump right. because you need Trump's voters, and you know Trump will go after you if you declare against him. If Ron DeSantis declares against him or something, mm-hmm. and it could harm him for the future and uh, or even the general election if he beats Trump in a primary. The problem if Kamala Harris is in is. Whether or not, let's say, um, you're a senator from Minnesota, Amy Klobuchar, mm-hmm. or somebody like that, whether uh, you will, whether you would that. feel that yeah. you uh, are just cutting your throat to try to run against her. Now, if she's the just the vice president, yeah. Joe is still in there, then I think it's a wide open primary. And the point, um, the point about. Kamala Harris is she had to drop out before the caucuses in Iowa yeah, because so she, she didn't have any votes. Zero percent. Right. They couldn't find anybody who was for her. She's not quite. She uh, her family background is not from the uh, descendants of American slaves. Part of no. her family, and, and so she's not as easily identified. And she didn't come up 
through the same kind of recruitment pattern that a that a Clyburn or John Lewis or any of those people came up through. She no, came she up came through up California through the, She came up through the Willie Brown School of Opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go, go yeah, there. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um, the fact is, she is a very weak candidate, and um, and would be, but she would pose a real problem for the Democrats. And in fact, she poses a problem for she 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 sort of po- she poses a problem for them now. If there was a very strong vice presidential. Uh, incumbent right now, the pressure for Joe Biden to get out after the midterms would be enormous. Right. But and, here's and, another problem, Jeff and yeah. uh, uh, Professor, and that is these. It seems that the media, or at least you know, as the uh, minions of the Democratic Party, are fronting a ridiculous personality in uh, the transportation secretary who can't get. Uh, baby formula on the shelves of the stores, and that's Pete Buttigieg, whatever his name is. The uh, as our friend Dan Proft calls him, the mannequin from the men's store in Mishawaga or something. And I, I, I wonder, in terms of just as political scientists yourselves, how does it happen when you when a, a publicly uh, gay man? is pitted against uh, a black female uh, in, the, in the democratic party how what what are the fault lines what what is the danger there i don't think they let it happen john i don't think i think to charles's point there are two situations ahead of us there's a, there's the the biden resigns pre or leaves aside something happens and he's gone and she's the incumbent and then the president and then she's running and then, then nobody can run against her because they set the rules. The Democrats broke themselves, pushed themselves in this corner of identity politics. And the rules say that you cannot run against a woman. You cannot say anything bad about a, a black woman. You can't do all these things. So there's no one's going to do that. And even if you're a gay man in this country, you don't have that Trump card, pardon the phrase, but you, there's no way you can run against him. So I think it, she runs that now. If it's an open field, then it's a different story. And it, it wouldn't matter because they'd both be representing, you know, key tenants of the party politics and it would just be well we'll just see who wins at that point i want to make a positive point uh here it's easy to make negative (laughs) it's easy to make negative ones about uh pete Buttigieg. i always thought that uh the next step up from being mayor of of uh, south bend would be to go for a higher position like mayor of of fort wayne um (laughs) tara holt Tara Holt, you know, work your way up the chain. Uh, Actually, what he would have to do if he wants to work his way up is move to Michigan. uh, Because he's he's not going to be able to win any statewide office in Indiana. But um, it's a very good sign in our country that being gay is... uh, is hardly an issue. I'm not going to say it's no issue, but it's a kind of a minor issue now at, uh, in terms of electability at either the national or local level. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's a good thing. Definitely. I mean, there's a gay, uh, governor of Colorado, the gay Senator from, from, uh, Wisconsin. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of, um, uh, and, 
uh, I just think it's a very positive thing, but I don't, I think the only way in which it's kind of negative for Pete Buttigieg is that it's harder for him to play the victim's card that is so important in the Democratic uh, Party's identity uh, politics. And then you get the crack up on the identitarian highway between (laughs) between Kamala, who uh, plagiarized um, Martin Luther King and the you know, <laughs> my mommy said, Fui, I've said freedom. It, it's complete plate. Uh, she was like the. Uh, I Biden. thought, it, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like Hillary Clinton's story of how she got named Hillary. <laughs> she was named after Edmund Hillary. El- Edmund right. Hillary, the first was- man to uh, uh, climb Mount Everest, except that she was born, what, five or six years before he climbed Mount Everest. Right. Uh, and he wasn't the first man to climb Mount Everest. There was a Sherpa ahead of him. But anyway. Right. That, that's that's <laughs> yeah, right. I can't stand but- these Eurocentric uh, uh, morons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do find uh, that uh the the sense that americans have right now that inflation is harming them mm-hmm. that real incomes people talk about inflation and a tight job market but it's very surprising really that in this tight job market uh incomes wages have not outpaced inflation so you not only have an inflation problem inflation gives you a sense of things are unstable you're not sure where things are going things Mm -hmm. like that but then if your income is going down uh if you if you're driving an f-150 uh pickup ford pick up the most popular vehicle for many years in the country and it costs you a hundred bucks to fill it up that's a day's wages mm-hmm. for a lot of people you have to ask yourself does people do people want to go to a time where they didn't they said you know the that mentality was i don't want to watch the news i don't have to follow what's going on in the news because i don't want to see what donald trump is doing but I'm, i'll pay i'll fill my gas tank or do people want to say i'll fill my gas tank and i'll take watching the news you know that there's that flip right <laughs> and all I, those stickers on the gas right, pump. Right, all the, exactly. i did that well and uh, you know biden is going to take credit for the for the decrease in the price of gas but one reason that the price of gas is decreasing is that there's been slackening demand as the economy mm-hmm. has slowed uh yes, so yes. Th- there are good reasons why <laughs> gas can go down and bad reasons and mm-hmm. uh, uh i've just written a piece not out yet on uh it's called houston we have an energy problem uh which says uh, basically why are you flying to Jeddah in saudi arabia to ask for energy and not flying to houston because what they would tell you in houston is a whole series of things uh about how we could get more energy but the larger point there uh is that a time after time after time uh, the program of the Democrats is to restrict supply and to regulate and to make it tougher to produce things. Uh, and if you're going to make it tougher to produce things and you're going to flood the economy with money, what do you think's going to happen? Yeah. Exactly. I was in uh, Greece years ago writing on trying to quit smoking and being in Greece and Turkey was, was impossible. And uh, writing about the uh, uh, economy, e- e- econ- economic problems there. 
And the Greeks would always um, mimic a printing press to me, you know, they, ah, like yes. they and they would make that sound like, like that, and <laughs> yes. they, you know, like you're cranking it. Well, their their argument is that we could we print, could print. our money, yeah. and uh, you know what? People are starting to realize, hey, maybe I should have taken econ one. <laughs> Well, you know, it's going to it's going to force some real problems in terms of the government budget because we have a large debt. And if you have to pay higher interest on that debt, Mm -hmm. uh, then it really does squeeze the budget. We've got a world of problems, right? We're we're uh, in effect funding a lot of the war in Ukraine. The Ukrainians are bravely fighting it. And the frontline states in Eastern Europe are really all behind it, but the Germans and the French aren't. Um, as mm-hmm. as one person said, fighting a war without the French on your side is kind of like World War Two. But great um, food, great food. Let's not, yeah, man. but um, we've got that. Russia's obviously a, a much more serious problem. Uh, wow, they're. They're backed by Iran and China, so it's, right. it's just a, it's a And China is shootout. a big problem, and the kind of military you need to deal with China looks a lot different than the kind of military you need uh, to deal with uh, Russia. And finally, uh, Iran has announced uh, just this past weekend that they now have the capability of building a nuclear weapon. Thanks, and Joe there's Biden. a real division within yeah. the Middle East uh, and among U.S. policymakers about what to do. Joe Biden has said we're not, we'll use military force to stop it. Right. Part of the problem about being a weak president yes. is that nobody believes your threats. Maybe they should, but they don't. It's yeah. more dangerous for the world to have a weakling. Right. Uh, you know, he makes he makes uh he makes Jimmy Carter look like Chuck Bleepin' Norris. <laughs> but Jimmy but, Carter changed his policies right. after Absolutely. the invasion of Afghanistan and he began ramping up the military. All that was obscured by the Iran hostage crisis mm-hmm. and a number of other mistakes. But but that's another point going back to Biden and the naked emperor. Biden hasn't changed any major no. policy that I can think of, and he's fired no major advisor. Uh, can you right. think of any problem on the on the uh, spending money, the bill back better? He's been thwarted at various days, but he keeps coming back uh, to it. He hadn't changed his border policies, which are in just a complete Ugh. mess. Uh, we not He's only pissed had, off both sides of the aisle with that stuff. Really? And uh, he hadn't changed any of his energy policies. So I just see him, he, his policies are as stiff as his walk. I mean, you say what you will uh, or against uh, Donald Trump. At least he had the, you know, the tenacity or at least the, the protocol to say, well, you're not, you're not doing your job well enough. Look at the polls. Look what's happening. You're out. I'm finding someone else. At the drop of a hat, it didn't matter where he was. He would do that. Well, and you yeah, Donald respect Trump's guy whole life that. is transactional, right? No, yes. Yeah, no doubt. He's not a. He's not. Uh, I never saw him as a conservative. I saw him as no tra- the transactional man. But right, you know what? People they remember right. when he was president. They didn't have to budget for gas the way they're doing now. Yeah, there was right. food on the shelves. There was baby formula. 
And if the if the uh, if the ships were bottled up in the harbor of Los Angeles and out to the horizon, uh, I guarantee you that Donald Trump would have been, you know, he might have flown over there and commandeered a few and just driven them into the harbor. (laughs) That's a really interesting point. You know, the the most compelling argument that Republicans could make in November is, are you better off now than you were two years ago? Because who among us could say that they are? But I think one reason Republicans are reluctant to make that is that it looks back to the Trump years and elevates Trump. And a lot of Republicans don't want to do that, and I think for very good reasons. And in fact, Trump has played an important role in getting some very weak candidates mm-hmm. uh, into the Ugh. the senatorial elections in in Georgia, in um, in Pennsylvania, and possibly in uh, in Missouri, and maybe even in Arizona. These are very winnable states, or should be, for Republicans. But uh, Trump-like candidates, uh, Trump really wiped out a guy who could by very small numbers could have won in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. uh and Oz is a weak candidate and it's hard to know whether he'll win or not his his opponent is a weak candidate Mm -hmm. uh it looks like uh Warnock is well ahead in Georgia even as uh the Republican looks uh in pretty good shape on the gubernatorial side it looks like the Democrat could win the Senate race, and we just don't know what will happen in who will be running as the Republican in Arizona. There's some crazies among, and some good candidates among the Republicans there, and uh, the same is true in, in, in Missouri. So these are winnable contests that the Republicans can lose. I don't think they'll lose the House, but, but the Senate is more iffy than it should be. I think though I think <clears throat> there will be a red tsunami. Mm-hmm. And the Democrats are going to lose both the Senate and the House. I just well, I just that'll change that'll change the nature of uh Washington politics dramatically. Wow. That's why Chuck, that's why um Mitch McConnell was mm. so angry at at trump after the two losses in georgia on the 6th of january besides the other thing that mm-hmm. happened on the 6th of january uh mitch mcconnell sh- could have been the senate majority leader had he been the senate majority leader even by one vote um joe biden's uh programs some of these massive spending bills and all the rest wouldn't have gotten through moreover a lot of very left-wing judges have been appointed yes this has been not gotten much attention but really left-wing judges and a lot of senior bureaucrats very much on the left nobody knows who's running all these appointments and and Um, susan rice susan rice and uh uh the chief of staff ron clain ron clain and i i suspect Barack Obama himself, who's, as we speak, there's uh, Joseph Epstein or Richard Epstein of the University of Chicago is trying to continue a court fight. But I I think they'll end up building that uh, palace. Oh, yeah. There's no way. It's that right near Charles' house. And uh, it'll be great, Charles. You can 
look at the uh, all-seeing <laughs> eye of Obama from, on the top of the Boy, we see temple. the construction every day. There's a huge project uh, that that's going on there, uh, the uh, the Obama presidential uh, center, center <laughs> yeah. but it won't have any Sponsor. documents. And so nobody quite knows what it will uh, be. But I, I do think that w- um, – uh, to return to where we began, yes. the Biden presidency uh, is, I think people now see that uh, he is far, uh, he's in far over his head. This is a naked man walking uh, and trying to lead the country. It's, it's important. I mean, one of the jobs that the president has besides uh being the leader of his party is that he is the leader of the country he comes out and makes important statements but think about what we're doing in uh in ukraine where we're putting in a huge amounts of money where we really think that this is a battle for the future of western europe and maybe and central europe that we think that this is a who remembers any speech that Joe Biden has given to mobilize the country around that policy? He hasn't. And when he goes out and tries to oh, give good. these speeches, he not only flubs uh, the teleprompter, when he tries to rev people up, he just yells. Yeah. It's it's just... There, Old man a, yells at cloud. I mean, that's what comes to mind every time but I guys, hear But guys, while this is going on, and while he's while yeah. he went to, went to Saudi to beg them for oil to and open gas, the pipe. Yeah. and uh, did his ridiculous fist bump, which I guess confused all the lefties who were so adamant about Khashoggi. Um, uh, when Trump was president, they uh, there's other stuff going on in the all the in the world right, constantly. Right. Uh, right. Just for just a few days ago, the um, ultra nationalists, the Kemalist element of Turkey, right, claimed all the uh, Greek islands, and uh, and has been arguing that uh, the Treaty of, of Luzon is uh, unworkable. <laughs> Even though it's been workable for like since 1923, I believe. Right. Um, but it's because the president has, through his dithering, weakened NATO to the point where it's now uh, fault lines are, are going to begin to show and uh, the, the security of the world is at stake. You- I, I agree with that. I would just say that Trump also... Uh, weaken NATO. Uh, the part that was very good that Trump was doing was he was pointing out that a lot of Europe, that the major European economies were free riding on right. U.S. Yes. Uh, participation. But uh, there is an isolationist dimension within U.S. policy on both the far left and the far right. That's a problem. But I think you're also right that. Um, when the United States is is preoccupied as we are with Ukraine and to a less extent with China, uh, everybody else is going to make a move, mm-hmm. right? Because there's just, uh, to use the modern term, there's only so much bandwidth uh, for policymakers, mm-hmm. and 
there's a sense that we are weak. Uh, we're not just weak rhetorically, but the president has uh, really avoided rebuilding the military. It was one of the great successes of Trump was a uh, uh, Barack Obama had gutted the military, um, and Trump uh, rebuilt it not to fight wars. Remember, Trump was the only president who didn't uh, start a war. Start a war, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but to deter them through strength. And right now, I'm very worried about Taiwan. Uh, I'm worried that uh, the United States has said that. Uh, we uh, want uh, Ukraine to prevail, but we've been a little iffy about it. Mm-hmm. And when a couple of, uh, when the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of State said that they actually wanted Ukraine to win, uh, Joe Biden told them, uh, don't say that. So um, don't say that in public. So mm-hmm. we've been very slow to provide them the weapons. And what we see the Russians doing in Ukraine is just, these are humanitarian catastrophes and very deliberate. They are deliberately killing civilians as part of their war strategy. It is not a a sort of accident. Some of the uh, buildings may be bombed by accident, but they are killing people deliberately that's not why we're there in ukraine but seeing what a russian victory would mean and what it would mean for the rest of europe it's time we get the weapons there and get them there in quantity and and to your point um charles you know that while this is happening you know china is amassing a navy that dwarfs japan and the u.s during world war ii combined and they have a, a a playbook that we use in World War II of how to take over the entire Pacific. And they have the, they have the islands. The, right. The, the yeah. islands are, yeah. That's my point is that, that I mean, if, if, if it push comes to shove, and I'm sure push is in their cards. I mean, and you've looked domestically. I mean, China has been doing more and more and more to make it essentially a a a a, um, a rule authoritarian rule where they're ready for a war. They're ready to force people into labor. They're ready for it. And right. we are too busy fighting, you know, chasing our own tail. This is a good moment to remember uh, that Shinzo Abe played a really critical role mm-hmm. in the pushback there because uh, Japan, given its history and given its constitution, uh, has only a self-defense force, and the mm-hmm. country has been very reluctant to arm itself, even though the the threat from China, was, even though North Korea is lobbing missiles right, over their eyes exactly. all the time. And what Abe did was uh, was move Japan toward a more a, a stronger defense posture, which, as long as it is well tied to the United States. Um, I don't. I think is is a good thing for the region. The same. I think you can see that uh, an arc that's trying to contain China, stretching from South Korea uh, through Japan, uh, Australia, mm-hmm. uh, and all the way around to India. It's the reason they now call it the Indo-Pacific mm-hmm. region. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that that's the other major arc. So we've got three areas um, uh, that are really critical. That's one. Um, 
the Persian Gulf and what the Iranians are doing has yeah. got not gotten a lot of attention recently, but it's it's very grave. And then Ukraine. I think your comment about uh, American bandwidth is uh, highly important, critically important here. The uh, the one thing I'd say about China, mm-hmm. I don't think that their military leaders are worried about when. Uh, a soldier uh, addresses an officer does the uh, is the officer thinking about what pronoun to use yeah what what you know all that yeah but that's that's an argument i mean we we're americans we're progressive beyond most cultures in the world we can walk and chew gum at one time that's not hurting our i mean to say that that's the issue that's going to lead us into a war we're going to lose i think it's kind of i don't i didn't say it's it's leading us into a war it tells me no leading us into a war we're going to lose it tells me that our priorities are not just like just like the nonsense in the corporate world um you know the the corporation's responsibility is to shareholders, not their um, not their woke politics. And the same thing with our military; its responsibility. I think this is, is to, a, this is to, one of the interesting fights. I think most people. I, I think the question that that John and Jeff, you guys are debating, is to what extent does adapting. Um, to a world in which there are transgender and gender fluid and all the rest, to what extent does does doing that within our military uh, divert us from the fundamental task of the military? This has always been an issue. You heard this actually going back to when the military was desegregated, right, right under Truman, mm-hmm. which was a very brave decision because remember he made it at a time when people didn't think he could win re-election and he needed the south to win it uh mm-hmm. and and strom thurman ran against him well, uh, in the thurman south as wrong. an independent candidate uh but uh the, so this is a, a a long time debate but what i would say that's happened in the past month on some of these issues that's been interesting has been finally you're beginning to see some pushback first of all mm-hmm. You've seen it at Netflix, and uh, where there was a real move to cancel um, comedians and others who Dave were Chappelle. Yeah. Dave Chappelle, who yeah. were uh, making statements that, uh, as part of their comedy, that uh, politically active people said you should not broadcast that, mm-hmm. and then Disney. Um, yeah. uh, has uh, all stocks have suffered, but Disney's stock has suffered a lot more uh, because uh, they've uh, they were clearly pushing a very progressive social agenda as part of their uh, what should be essentially be uh, a non a nonpartisan uh, entertainment complex, and people. Uh, remember going back to the 30s, I can't remember which of the movie moguls said it, but it, it, if you want to send a message, call Western Union. Don't do it in our movies. Right. And I, I, I think that there is a, a pretty strong sense now that finally there's some pushback on this. And it remains to be seen if there'll be pushback in corporations. But uh, one of the biggest law firms based in Chicago, Kirkland and Ellis, mm-hmm. fired. 
uh, the most important lawyer they had uh, uh, pleading Supreme Court cases, Paul Clement, who mm-hmm. is considered the absolute apex uh, of the Supreme Court practice because he had defended gun manufacturers. And and I don't know whether that was um, Not pressure a from other clients, but I'll bet it was pressure from younger yeah. uh younger lawyers in the firm and that they would find it harder to recruit if they had but uh, that's just bizarre to me that that a big uh corporate law firm like that would fire somebody as competent and important yeah shameful and uh the the wall street journal did a great job of giving clement and uh, a colleague uh, space in the op-ed. Has that op-ed. gotten much attention within <clears throat> Chicago, Jonathan? No. I, look, it, it, it's difficult to judge because uh, media in Chicago is so woke now right. that uh, you don't even see stories like, uh, you know, how many, you know, the, the man accused of shooting, uh, killing another man was uh, on trial uh, released uh, released from jail <clears throat> and on 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 bond when he committed the, the allegedly committed the uh, that's going to be one crime. of the big that's going to be another huge issue going forward this this issue on bail and uh jailing violent criminals uh i th- and again i think that this is an issue that the democrats uh, are really facing an uphill battle on and if gascon is recalled in yes, los I angeles as uh, Chesa Bourdain was in San Francisco. Uh, I, I, it, it'll it'll take a real, a really obtuse Democratic Party not to read those tea leaves. We'll have to get back to that the Definitely, next time we yeah. speak because uh, there's so much going on with that <laughs> and uh, all things politics and all things culture. Uh, Charles Lipson, I hope when you had your, uh, your luncheon today with. Uh, with friends talking about opinion writing that were you with uh, John McCormick and Corey Franklin? Because I, I, I was, I was at home. He, they didn't, they didn't. No, I didn't. For, this was, lunch. this was a zoom meeting, at, but John and Corey and you, we're all, uh, love emailing each other. Yes, we do. And, uh, and uh, it seems to be uh, a race to the finish to see who can find the most outrageous articles in the news. Charles Lipson, Professor Emeritus, University of Chicago, a friend to free speech and free thinking. Thanks for being here. Hush your mouth, John. <laughs> Bless you, John Katz. Bless you. Like, Bless like you, John. Bless you. Good to talk to you, Jeff. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, buddy. For Charles Lipson, Professor Emeritus, University of Chicago, important writer writing in the spectator world, real clear politics, just wherever great minds go to to express themselves. For Jeff Carlin, my friend, the best radio producer in the city, future physics teacher 
And for Eddie Callison, still thinking about you, Eddie. And for Dan Golden, Chicago police officer shot in the back, doing his job in a violent, chaotic city. Thanks for joining us on the Chicago Way podcast. Join us again and tell your friends to subscribe and tell us what you think. See you.